Hey, Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson, Arkansas Sports Writer of the Year. We are from the Rivals team over at hogbeat.com. So we just wrapped up signing day, and you can go see uh, what Arkansas wrapped up early already and just kind of refresh your memory a bunch of those kids are already on campus so you can go find that information on hogbeat as well hutch let's start with hoops because we had you know breaking news earlier this afternoon uh, the game against texas a&m is now postponed and not totally sure that it will get made up, but the Hogs cannot schedule another game for this weekend. So we're we're chilling for the first time uh, in a few weekends. Yeah, I was uh, texting with a couple other uh, reporter buddies, and and they were saying, you know, what, what do normal people do on Saturdays? Uh, of course, my react, my answer to that was, I'm sure my wife will find something for us to do. So uh, it, it's going to be unusual, you know, and. Uh, I know a lot of Arkansas fans were hoping for, you know, Arkansas to schedule some sort of non-conference game. You know, like we saw the women add UConn to the schedule, but uh, that's not going to happen because there is the possibility for the uh, Texas A&M game to be made up at some point. It's not guaranteed, uh, even though it's the only game Arkansas has missed. Uh, but that that would be the 27th and final game Arkansas can play in the regular season. So, very different situation from the women who had, you know, Vanderbilt completely cancel their season. Uh, so they were able to go and grab a, a marquee non-conference game in UConn. Even if Arkansas had the opportunity to schedule another game for this weekend with the way players are banged up right now, I'm not sure they would be scheduling a team that is particularly exciting anyways. Uh, I mean, they might try, but it's just, not a great idea. I mean, we're coming off a game where Arkansas did not look great, at least uh, for the first 10 minutes against Mississippi State. I mean, they looked downright terrible. Um, so I just think that, you know, even even if they did have that choice, um, not sure they would want to like go out of their way to make the season more challenging for them than it already is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, the, the injuries they're dealing with, I mean, obviously Jalen Williams banged up his knee in the Oklahoma State game. You know, Moses Moody apparently twisted his ankle uh, the day before the Mississippi State game. Uh, you've got Justin Smith, who's still kind of working his way back. You know, Desi Sills got hurt against Mississippi State. So, I mean, they are uh, really banged up right now and, and could probably use the rest, uh, similar to kind of what, you know, we saw with Arkansas getting the uh, football team getting the extra week before the Missouri game uh, kind of came at a an opportune time I guess you could say just from an injury perspective and uh, I don't I don't think they'd want to go schedule I mean well one I had people ask me why don't, why don't Arkansas go try to get add Gonzaga I'm like man Arkansas does not want any part of Gonzaga right now because that would be an absolute beatdown. Gonzaga is you know, them and Baylor are pretty much the top two teams in college basketball right now and and I've do not have any confidence that Arkansas would be able to compete in those games, kind of like what we saw with the women uh, actually being able to pull off an upset over UConn. I don't see that happening. And I mean, I even saw some people, you know, on our message board suggesting maybe an SMU. I know that would excite you. Uh, and maybe even, you know, Cal, uh, Cal uh, Santa Barbara, I think is which one it was, California, yeah. Santa Barbara. Uh, that would be, you know, a, a decent matchup in terms of the net rankings, but still, 
those are quality teams that you don't want to just play to play them if you're not at full strength. You know, you want to, you want to actually play that and try to win a game. You know, you had a chance last week against Oklahoma State and, you know, weren't able to get it done. Um, how many weeks away are we from, uh, from baseball? Two weeks? Uh, yeah, two weeks from uh, this Friday. So that, that's coming up. And and the uh, practice that you got or the scrimmage that you got to see the other day, that's the only one you get to see before the season starts. Is that right? Well, they I was talking to the SID and, and he was saying that he's he's thinking about opening up uh, maybe another one, you know, this weekend for the media. Uh, not sure when. There you that's go. There be. you can fill your time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if my wife will be happy about me going <laughs> to watch a baseball practice, um, but uh I don't know. I, I, I hope they do, you know, just get another look at the team. I mean, it was good to get it back out there at bomb. It was, it was a little chilly uh, that day when we were out there. It was the first official day of preseason practice, exactly three weeks out of the season. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's coming. Baseball season is almost upon us. Um, the hoop hogs once again are all over social media because of Eric Musselman's uh, stunts that he pulls from time to time. He had another big idea. He put uh, rebounding signs all over the place to motivate the guys. It looked like a parking ticket, which would have given me a heart attack. But then I guess, you know, once you open it up, you just be like, oh, it's just, it's just Coach Must being Coach Must. But you know, they got on Barstool, which they do often. I know the staff has some has some ties to those guys over at Barstool, so they're always watching what the Razorbacks are doing. But oh, they were also on ESPN today. But then TMZ wrote a story about it, and I was just like, I don't understand this at all. I have never seen a story about, um, like, a college basketball team, like, for something so small as this yeah I mean it's one thing if it's Baker Mayfield getting tackled by a police officer on Dixon Street like that that is typical TMZ type stuff but uh yeah this I when I saw someone post that on our message board I was I was baffled I was it must be a really slow day in the TMZ world if they're writing a story about this I mean because I don't even know if this is the craziest thing that Musselman's ever done I mean he's He's done some crazy stuff, and you know, he did all the the pictures with the recruits. You know, back when you could, you know, back in the olden days, where you could actually have recruits on campus. Uh, you know, they they did all those pictures to simulate famous scenes or whatever from NBA history and stuff like that. I mean, that, those were so good, and I those were I, I wonder if they would keep them going because you know, eventually you had to run out of these iconic I mean, photos, at least. But um, yeah, yeah, I wish I wish we could see them this year. I stumbled upon the uh, the Jalen Williams and Must one with uh, care so who good. it was. If it was like Manute Bowl and uh, Mugsy Bogues or something balls, like that. Yeah. yeah, that 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 I can't remember exactly who the players were, but yeah, that, that I stumbled across that the other day. I was like, that that's still funny. <laughs> it's perfect. But he dressed up as a UPS driver to symbolize how they need to deliver. Um, he has taped cheese to the bottom of the players chairs to, I think, say, don't, don't get the trap, don't get trapped in, in this trap game that they were playing something like that. Um, just the, the off season, crazy 
uh, basketball guy, Mus yelling in the stands, holding a fake press conference, like all this stuff. I don't know how he manages to come up with these creative things to do and then also do his job. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, he comes up with a lot of it, but I also think he surrounds himself with creative people. And I mean, his his wife is a former media person. So, I mean, she seems to have a, a creative mind and kind of know what people are going to enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she, uh, that, I mean, him as a coach is from a social media standpoint, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, maybe Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is, is right up there as well. Uh, but most coaches are more like the, uh, the Dave Van Horn, Sam Pittman type. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll get on Twitter because I have to follow recruits, but that's it. Yeah, Musselman sees the intrinsic value in it. As much as we may hate Twitter, Facebook, whatever, a lot of the time, um, I'm sure – uh, many journalists, we wouldn't be on there unless we really had to be for our job. But it is one of the best ways to connect people, especially ones who all, uh, you know, appreciate the same thing, like Razorback basketball or, or football or whatever. But yeah, Pittman is not quite there. And it's I think it's a little bit unfortunate because I think his staff kind of takes on his attitude towards it. And I think it can be a really positive thing. So uh, you have to find that balance. But Muss, I think, has been like either number one or number two in engagements um, on, on Twitter uh, for like the whole time that he's been in the SEC so far behind like Coach Cal, which I mean, I don't even know uh, if Cal's the type of guy to um, tweet his own stuff. But I think Muss is, even if, even if he probably schedules some of them. Yeah, I mean, definitely Musselman's not tweeting everything he does, but uh, he, he is very, very uh, in favor of social media. And I personally, I know sometimes people don't like it or whatever, but I, I like it. Uh, and I will say I have noticed, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Nikki, but I think it was maybe whenever Arkansas had those back-to-back, -back, uh, I think it was maybe the first back-to-back -back losses they had against Missouri and Tennessee. Uh, you know, Musselman tweeted something after the Auburn win, and then he didn't tweet again until after the Georgia win. So he's not tweeting whenever things are going poorly. It's not like he's, you know, distracted by social media or I whatever. I hadn't know that. I hadn't noticed that because I, I used to have his notifications on, and then he tweeted a little bit too much, so it would, like, stress me out that I would get all these <laughs> notifications. So I turned it off. So I didn't notice that. That's it good, was, I guess. Yeah. It was it was a buddy of mine that pointed it out, and I said, you know what? That that is very smart on Eric Musselman's part because you you want to keep if you're tweeting stuff like that when things are going poorly, your mentions are just gonna be like, who cares about this coach? Just go coach basketball, win games. <laughs> so yeah, Arkansas has this weekend off, and then they play um, at Kentucky in Lexington um, on Tuesday at six p.m. Honestly, it's a great situation for the Razorbacks, in my opinion. Get these guys healthy and really focus on Kentucky, which this year is one of the most beatable Kentucky teams that we have seen in, in decades. Yeah, I was, uh, I was looking at some of our uh, Missouri, Missouri site, uh, Power Mizzou. They were covering uh, the uh, Missouri-Kentucky game the other night. And all their pre-game coverage was like, you know, Missouri's trying not to overlook Kentucky. Like, what, what, a, <laughs> what, what a time to be alive. Like, that is just bizarre. 
so uh, it's going to be a similar situation with Arkansas. Like you can't go into Kentucky taking them lightly because, I mean, they still have the talented players. Uh, they just haven't put it all together. But I think they're a team that's capable on any given night of putting it together, and, and they could probably beat anybody, but it's uh, probably not going to be on a consistent basis. So I think they're like 5-11 and 11 now or something like that. So a uh, very unusual Kentucky team for sure. Arkansas, on the other hand, is a team that can be really, really great and then also show that they can't do anything right. All in the same game. <laughs> we have seen it several times now. One they lost, one they had that big comeback against Auburn, and then also against Mississippi State, which luckily they snapped out of it pretty fast. Like It seemed like a long, torturous stretch. There turnover upon turnover upon turnover. It was really tough to watch. I got a lot of people mad at me on the trough in the game thread because I said I would rather watch a Chad Morris football game than this game right now. Um, and honestly, I didn't say which Chad Morris football game. So, you know, there's a handful in there. Could be the Eastern Illinois game. I don't know. Yeah, but luckily <laughs> they snapped out of it. Um, Connor Vanover had a, a huge game. Um, he scored seven points. Uh, a dunk, a dunk, and then a, a three-point basket back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back, right when Arkansas needed to really start pulling away and kind of dash all the Bulldogs' hopes. Um, and once again, it's just really good to see him have good games because I feel like, I mean, the game threads are a bad uh, place to to really judge the <laughs> fan base, but even on Twitter and stuff, people just they rail on him a lot, and there is – a lot of value that he brings to the team. You just have to get him in the right positions to, to shine. Yeah. We had an opportunity to talk to David Patrick, the assistant coach uh, yesterday. Uh, he was mainly talking about his uh, being appointed to the Australian Olympic team uh, coaching staff as an assistant, but uh, he was asked about Connor and uh, he made a really good point is that anytime you're seven foot or taller, you're going to be under the microscope. People are always going to be like, well, how in the world did you miss that layup? You're seven feet tall. Or in Connor's case, you're seven foot three. Uh, I know fans are like that. My dad sent me a text message after the Oklahoma State game and was like, what is he doing? He's, he's, why isn't he, uh, you know, he needs to be a better rebounder. He needs to yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, I mean, he did block five shots in this game. I he mean, needs to make the game winning shot, Hutch. I remember yeah. I texted you. I was like, Connor took that, but like honestly, it's not. He was wide open. It was a great <laughs> look, and I mean, he is a good shooter, even though he has really, really struggled uh, in SEC play. But it, he is a good shooter, uh, and so it, it is a little bit unfair. I think some of the criticisms. I think some fans are expecting him to be more than what he is. He's not a Shaquille O'Neal. Like he's just not. Uh, he needs to. He, he's what? kind of a role player. Yeah, he's a role player. He's not a star. Uh, he's got the potential to have games where he looks like a star, like I think he did in the Mississippi State game and several times during the uh, non-conference play, but not on a night-in, night-out basis. He's not a Moses Moody or a Mason Jones or someone like that. Hutch, we just got the contract numbers for the – actually – the three new assistants because we already had Kenny Guitens um, and we got the information on Barry Odom's 
big pay raise. Uh, he is making a whopping $1.75 million. Man, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, it was a big increase from the 1.3 he was making. Um, it is not an extension. It's his contract still goes until um, 2023, I believe. So it's just a nice big pay boost for his loyalty to the University of Arkansas and Sam Pittman. Yeah, it actually is a one-year extension. They added one more Just year kidding. to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he was originally had a, a three-year deal. Uh, it is now basically, if he stays here, the entire length of the contract, which honestly would be surprising considering he's been a former head coach. I could see him leaving and becoming a head coach somewhere. Uh, it would be four years at Arkansas. But yeah, it is a nice pay raise. Uh, we knew it was coming because – you know, you had LSU, you had Texas, those kind of schools after him. Who knows if there were others? Uh, those were the ones where his name was really prominently featured. Uh, and so it was, it was going to take some money to, to keep him here. And, and it seemed like Arkansas was willing to, to pony up. And, uh, you know, that, they got the job done. I think he's the highest paid assistant in Arkansas history. Uh, he might, I think, no, because John Chavis was making like 1.5, 1.6. So right, he yeah. wasn't beforehand. But now – uh, this makes him the highest paid assistant coach in Arkansas history across all sports. Obviously, football is the one that garners the most uh, cost uh, for assistance. So, and I think it would put him somewhere in the top 10, top 15 nationally in terms of uh, salary as well, you know, based on the 2020 numbers. So, um, going to be interesting to see where he ends up on that list whenever the USA Today database comes out next year. There were a lot of uh, smart Alex in, in the comments, like, uh, oh, just gave up 190-something points in the last four games of the season, getting a, a $450,000 raise, no big deal. Um, well, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but this defense just looks so much better than it did last year. I think it's worth it. It's worth it for the continuation of what Barry Odom is doing for the defense. Um, I mean, just look at the players with the recognition this year. You had Jalen Catalan, Grant Morgan. Uh, you had a walk-on get three picks. Uh, just like you're going to get Jonathan Marshall drafted this year, most likely. Just a really solid job, um, even though a lot of people um, maybe want a little bit better recruiting, but I think that's coming. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the thing about recruiting is I remember talking to some Missouri people, and uh, Barry Odom's kind of deal is that they thrive on the under-recruited type athletes, you know. Uh, they did that at Missouri. They had a, a, they had a handful of four-stars and stuff, but they usually – their defenses were – guys that were three-star recruits or even lower so uh but that would be nice and it also would be nice to see the numbers improve because the numbers were still while better uh were still not great uh in terms of you know total defense uh you know the things averages like would have been better if they had played some non-conference games to pass that is that totally fair totally fair and i think that was something that went into consideration but also it was a matter of you know supply and demand i mean LSU and Texas came calling and if you weren't going to pay him more he would have gone and taken that and been paid more by those schools and then you'd have fans yelling about how cheap Arkansas is and how they never pay enough to keep an assistant coach and 
honestly, you're still getting that right now because the, the salaries of the other assistant coaches that were announced. So a lot of talk also about how uh, cheap the new assistant uh, hires were. Uh, for starters, Michael Scherer getting the promotion from analyst to linebackers coach. He's now making $175,000, which is obviously more than a lot of us can even imagine. But for an SEC position coach, even for a first-time one, it's still a little on the low end. You know, in 2020, it would have been the lowest paid assistant coach in the SEC. Uh, according to the USA Today database. Uh, it would have been one of the lowest paid in all of Power Five. I mean, there's, I want to say there's over 500 assistants in that database, and it would have been somewhere in the 490 range, something like that. So uh, bottom, bottom of the, the barrel in terms of salary. But he was only making 75 grand as an analyst. So it's a $100,000 pay raise, and uh, that. I don't know about you, but I would take a $100,000 pay raise in a heartbeat. I think someone posted that Alabama's linebacker coach is making $675,000 a year. It's just not attractive on paper. Um, I, I mean, Michael Scherer was a pretty good linebacker from what I understand in college, um, and he's been Barry Odom's right-hand man here. Uh, but if the linebackers group struggles this year, that guy is going to hear it. Yeah, and I think I mean, paying him a little bit more, at least, um, I don't know. It kind of covers it up because when you get away with paying someone that little, it, it, your worth is tied to what they're, what they're paying you. Exactly. I mean, they were only paying uh, Ryan Rhodes, the, the previous linebackers coach, 225000 So uh, they weren't paying a whole lot. And, you know, the – they did coach an All-American linebacker last year in Grant Morgan, who's a former walk-on. And, you know, Bumper Pool, you know, while I don't necessarily agree with him being an second-team All-SEC pick, I can't remember the AP or the coaches or whatever, uh, he was still an All-SEC linebacker. So um, very, very interesting. And Cher, I mean, he is – it's a one-year deal, so he's going to kind of have to prove – he can do it and Pittman has shown that if you don't earn your keep you know and you're in one year he'll try to move on and find somebody else like he did with John Cooper uh and you know what he did with Ryan Rhodes so it's it's interesting it'll be it'll be something to watch for sure I think they're going to need to have a, a really good linebacker recruiting class this year I think it's going to be important um uh there I think there are some some guys in the room that will never contribute and so you you have to account for that um in your recruiting class and uh sam Pittman was able to look at the job that ryan rhodes did this year and he was able to look at his analyst and see that he had the stuff i mean he gets to uh, basically do a lot of the same job minus the official recruiting so uh, in terms of if you trust Sam Pittman you should pretty much trust that he knows this guy because he's been on the staff and Barry Odom has known him for several years as well as a player so um, you got to just trust that one even though it comes with a low uh, price tag this weekend 
Um, I heard who the new Razorback defensive line hire was going to be. It broke on Monday. Uh, football scoop got to it first. Uh, it is uh, Jermail Ashley from Tulsa. He was there for uh, six years, so plenty of experience. Um, and it seemed like a pretty good hire. I had some folks posting like, man, I was, I was wondering when this guy was going to get hired away because he has low key been doing a good job. Um, I looked at obviously Tulsa's defensive line uh, numbers and they had pretty high uh, tackles for loss per game. Um, and just the overall defense uh, was like second in the conference in the AAC. So uh, not a bad resume, nice young up and comer. Uh, still haven't heard any news on where uh, Derek LeBlanc is going. So, uh, you know, a lot of rumors that he's going to take an NFL job, but nothing um, quite yet. Um, Ashley's contract is for one year and it is 300 K, right? Yes. He is a $300,000 as is the, uh, new tight ends coach Cody Kennedy, but I know we'll get into him in just a second. But yeah, it's three hundred thousand. Uh I think that's about hundred and fifty thousand less than what LeBlanc was making. Uh so saved a little bit of money there. Uh, I think that's a theme you're gonna be seeing. You know, saved fifty thousand with share, saved hundred and fifty thousand here. Uh and uh just to kind of help, I guess, remove move around some of these funds to help pay for the raise for for Barry Odom. But Cody Kennedy, his is actually a slight raise of the position, right? Because John Cooper, I think, was on the low end. Uh, no, John Cooper was actually making three hundred thousand, so it's oh, the okay. exact exact, exact same, same amount that they were they were paying the previous tight ends coach. So overall, I think um, someone posted that they are actually um, paying a little bit more overall for the assistant coaches staff than last year, even though, um, you know, the price tag on um, some of them are a little bit lower because yeah, obviously so, Barry Odom's raise was quite hefty. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you also got to remember Kenny Guyton, uh, the new wide receivers coach who we've talked about several weeks ago because he's been hired for a while now. He's on a $300,000 deal. Uh, Justin Stepp was making uh, $400,000. So it's, a, you know, saving 100000 there. Uh, but yeah, the the salary pool for the ten on-field assistant coaches in 2021, assuming no one else got a raise, I haven't heard anything else about that. Uh, but that they're going to be making uh, 5.375 million dollars. That's a 2.9 percent increase uh, from last year. It's only about 150 thousand more. So not a ton more, but it is incrementally getting higher. Just the cost of inflation, you know. Something like that. Um, the staff, as we pointed out last week, it's a big youth movement. Um, every single position coach has been replaced with a, an even younger um, coach, and um, three of the four new additions were still playing in college in the 2010s, and I think Ashley's last year was like 2009, so he was just right there, um, very close to that. So um, a big youth movement, which can be great. It really can be uh, because they – recruit hard. They have more time generally to focus on recruiting. I mean, some of them do have young children, but generally I think that they, um, you know, are into the technology. They'll text, they'll DM, they'll TikTok, they'll do whatever the kids are doing uh, with not a whole lot of 
um, hesitation or, or awkwardness. But when you look at some of them versus their counterpart who departed in terms of years of experience in Power 5 football, uh, there is a loss of just years of coaching experience um, with, with a lot of these hires. There really is. And that's something I hope to ask uh, Sam Pittman about today is, you know, is, is there any concern about that lack of experience or is it, you know, was that intentional? Like, Hey, I wanted to go hire young guys because we liked what we saw from a Sam Carter, for example, uh, or I don't think he would ever admit this or was it truly just a cost saving man, uh, measure to be able to afford to keep Barry Odom? I mean, was Barry Odom that important? Uh, don't think he would ever admit to that. Uh, but it is, it is an interesting thing and something you have to wonder about considering they did go high. I mean, Michael Scherer had never been a position coach at any level of college football. He only had two years of assist uh, of experience as a, I think a GA at Missouri and then one year there, and then one year here as an analyst. Uh, Kenny Guyton, I think, only had a few years of uh, assistant uh, position, and that was at Colorado State, Louisiana Tech, Houston. Uh, I think uh, the other guys were, were very similar. I mean, K Cody Kennedy was at the group of five level. Uh, so it, it's, it is a little bit of a concern, uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it seems like these guys are – who they like and who Barry Odom likes, who Kendall Bryles likes. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll just kind of have to, to see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, Sam Pittman has proven, as I said earlier, he'll, he'll get rid of you after a year. Yeah. Uh, you guys are hearing this before. Well, you guys are hearing this after we've already talked to the coaches. So if you have uh, any interest in going to listen to all those interviews, you can go find them um, on hogbeat.com. Hutch, uh, halfway through the show, and we haven't even mentioned the, be the biggest news of the week yet. Uh, Arkansas is going to play Arkansas State in 2025, and they have gotten out of the uh, Missouri game uh, in War Memorial Stadium this year, and everything's new and different and awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking about it. So the earth did not end when Arkansas and Arkansas State scheduled a football game. Now, it's only appropriate that it comes during a global pandemic. Uh, that just makes total sense. Uh, so it, it is a, a huge, huge deal. But, I mean, it makes sense from so many different angles. I mean, you mentioned getting the Missouri game back on campus. You know, that's huge from a recruiting angle, as you wrote about uh, the other day. It's huge from a perspective of you're, you're playing Arkansas State at War Memorial Stadium. That's actually going to draw a crowd. Uh, you know, people aren't going to just not go because it's Florida A&M or, you know, Alcorn State or something like that. No one gets excited about that. You know, even I think the UAPB games, which are, are going to be played at War Memorial this year and in 2024, I think will generate some interest in the fan base because it is an in-state school. So, uh, I think all around, it's, it's, a, it's a good deal. I mean, that's how, you know, playing Arkansas State was pretty much the only way Arkansas could get out of that contract with playing Missouri down there as uh, what Hunter Yurchek made it sound like. And if that's the trade-off, then I think it's fine. I think Sam Pittman's excited about it. Uh, I can't wait to ask him about that and, you know, how – because, I mean, if I'm Sam Pittman, I'm probably thinking like, okay, this is probably going to happen this coming year because it's 
you know, a few months away is probably not too much time to get it fixed, but you definitely want it fixed for 2023. And lo and behold, uh, Hunter Yurchett goes out there and gets it done for 2021 as well. I couldn't believe the amount of people who were like, this decision is the worst decision that Hunter Yurichek has ever made. This is the thing that's going to get him fired. Well, it's one game. Are you crazy? Like one game that you're likely, very likely going to win. If you don't win, it's because of something that doesn't have to do with Hunter Yurichek scheduling this game. Like the team has clearly deteriorate deteriorated to a point where nobody's happy at that point it's not going to matter who they're playing so um i i was just surprised by that um i didn't think that there would be that many people opposed to it but that's because i guess like i'm used to in-state rivalries like it's it's what most states have but arkansas has just never been like that Every other school, I did the research on this at one point, every other Division I FBS school plays another in-state school, even if they're the only FBS school in the, in the state. I mean, you know, Boise State's the only one in Idaho, but they'll play Idaho, which is now FCS, or Idaho State or whatever. Arkansas is totally unique in that standpoint. And I will say this. It made sense for John Barnhill and Frank Broyles to make this decision back in the day. Uh, Frank Broyles was very open about it, and I, I'll never forget my freshman year of college. I actually interviewed Frank Broyles for a story as a you know young reporter for the Arkansas Traveler at the, at Arkansas, and I had a conversation with him, and he just started talking to me off the record about Arkansas playing only, you know, not playing in-state schools because he came from Georgia and he'll never forget Georgia Tech and Georgia battling for the same recruits and kind of, you know, really being a difficult thing or whatever in, in Georgia. And, and that makes sense in the 1950s when a lot of these programs are starting to really try to put, make their foothold. You know, if Arkansas State and Arkansas had played throughout the 60s and 70s or whatever and Arkansas State dominated the series, then maybe you see Arkansas State in the SEC instead of Arkansas. However, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years have passed now. Arkansas is firmly entrenched as the number one program in the state. There is nothing that Arkansas State could do to overtake Arkansas in that perspective. Uh, and so it's not like, you know, I mean, heck, in baseball, the other, a couple of years ago, Little Rock just absolutely blasted Arkansas, like 17-7 to 7 in a midweek game. And you know what happened? No, not all these recruits didn't start going to Little Rock. Little Rock didn't suddenly become a juggernaut. No, Arkansas made it to the College World Series. Arkansas is still getting the top players from Arkansas to come play for the Razorbacks. And the same thing's going to happen in football and basketball and women's basketball and softball and all the sports. It's not the end of the world, people. It's totally understandable. And honestly, it's amazing that it took this long to happen. So props to Hunter Yurichek. As someone who comes from one of the best Texas rivalries, my own between SMU and TCU, just wait until this becomes a series. Because a series rivalry is one of the most exciting things that you can, exp I mean, Arkansas fans already know this because of, the SEC rivalries that what they have, but the in-state one, it's there's nothing like 
your neighbor being a TCU fan and you being an SMU fan and you just like, you know, one day a year, like no other day of the year. Well, maybe the day after the game you care, but there's like this small period of time where you just hate each other and you get to experience that true competitive feeling and you get to have that pride. And I can totally understand why after everything Arkansas fans have been through over the past five years, 10 years longer, uh, why they don't want to set themselves up for any more opportunities to have their pride hurt or wounded or whatever. But it will be if if Arkansas some for some reason lost to Arkansas State, it would be okay. I know this as someone who has watched my team lose in a big rivalry game, you will get over it. I I am positive. And it's no different than losing to Colorado State, North Texas, Western Kentucky, ULM, these programs that Arkansas has already lost to. Like, it, it those, is, those it, hurt just as much, if not more. It, exactly. It does feel like the end of the world because you're in the SEC and you're losing to a team you should never lose to. And you're in at historic lows for those losses. Uh, but it's not going to have a lasting impact. And I mean, I will say the one difference, you know, you're talking about how awesome it is to have an in-state rival where, you know, your neighbor hates, you know, you, you hate your neighbor because they're, you know, support one program, you support the other. And I think that was one, another reason that uh, John Barnhill and Frank Broyles both, you know, had this feeling is that, you know, we want the entire state to love the hogs. You know, even if you live in Northeast Arkansas, you can still love the hogs while also still cheering for Arkansas State. Uh, and, you know, if, if, but I, I also see where like, okay, one time, you know, even if it is just 2025 or even if it becomes a regular semi-regular event, you could probably still root for Arkansas State in that game. But then as soon as that game's over, okay, go Hogs, you know, hopefully they win the SEC or whatever. Just like you could still, you know, Arkansas fans probably still want to see Arkansas State do well. I know a lot of Arkansas fans who, you know, kind of casually keep up with Arkansas State or UCA or UAPB or whatever, uh, and they want them to do well, except for if they were to play Arkansas in one of these particular sports, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. As someone who supports several NFL teams, um, it's not that hard to do. Anytime the Patriots play the Texans, I just root for the Patriots because I know they're going to win. It's not that difficult. But then <laughs> any other time I root for the Texans. So, Easy peasy. Um, the other thing that we learned from Hunter Yurichek the other day was that once the AT&T contract is up in 2024, that is it. The games are going back to um, home campuses and everything will be right in the world again. Um, so over the next five years, I think he said that 18 of 20 SEC games will finally um, be played at home, which is just so good. I know you mentioned it earlier, but Arkansas cannot give tickets to recruits to go to see them play in AT&T Stadium. So from that standpoint, there is no benefit. As cool as it is for the players to get to play there, um, it is a weekend that you lose an opportunity to bring kids to your campus. And you need as many as you can get because 
kids are going all over the place these days. Like when you have your five official visits, um, you know, scheduling is a factor. You have to have as many opportunities as you can. Um, if one work weekend doesn't work out, you have to be able to have another one for them to come. So as many as you can get is perfect. Um, and for the Missouri game in particular this coming year, Arkansas was going to have three weekends in a row two weeks before signing day where they couldn't host recruits. That should never happen. Um, you have to be able to bring recruits in right before early signing day, get them locked in, try to flip some targets that you're trying to flip before signing day. Um, it's just so important, and I am really glad Sam Pittman um, made that push. Exactly, and you can't, as you said, you can't bring recruits to AT&T Stadium. That also applies to War Memorial Stadium as well. Actually, I asked about this. Because War Memorial is designated as one of Arkansas's home stadiums, I don't know why they get to do this, um, they can give them tickets, but they can't have contact with them. So it's basically okay. a wash. Yeah, that's yeah. that must be what I was, I was thinking of. Because, I mean, and plus, if you're wanting to bring in a recruit, say, you know, Johnny Fourstar from Baton Rouge is wanting to come up to Arkansas to see a game, well, are you going to want him to come to Little Rock and go to that stadium to watch a game or do you want him to come up to Fayetteville not just because the facilities are better up there but you also see the school where you're going to be attending for the next three to five years I mean it does it doesn't make any sense from a recruiting standpoint to play down in Little Rock now there are arguments to be made as to why you need to play in Little Rock you know the whole you know connecting to the other parts of the state and you know the history aspect like I totally get that I respect it and understand it as someone who has lived in Arkansas my entire life. I have grown up in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, however, I still see the value in playing down there. And I, some of my best memories are going to games at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. And so, uh, but from a, a, an SEC game standpoint and being able to bring in recruits on official visits and things like that, you really got to have those on campus. It just doesn't make sense not to. So. Uh, props to, to Sam Pittman for, for asking for it, and props to your check for making it happen. Did you see this Arkansas State game happening, like, ever? Like, as, as someone, you know, who went to the University of Arkansas obviously knows all the history, did you see that as a realistic option or just something that people occasionally talked about? If you had asked me five years ago, I probably would have said, no, there's no way it would happen, especially after having the, the conversation with Frank Broyles that I did uh, at my freshman year of college. Now, if you had asked me a year ago or two years ago, whenever Hunter Yurchek kind of started allowing the in-state games and other sports and allowing it against UALR or Little Rock and, and UAPB, and then when he finally opened it up to say, okay, well, the baseball and softball and the other sports can play Arkansas State and UCA, I probably would have said, you know what? It's only a matter of time for football to happen. Uh, now, did I expect it to be this quick uh, within like a year of that announcement? Uh, not, not exactly. Uh, but I figured it was coming and probably coming within my lifetime. Signing day 2021 has come and gone, both the early and the late signing period. Probably not a lot of people in this state noticed because the Razorbacks signed all 22 of their high school and junior college um, prospects during, during the early period in December. So 
you know, I, I got to kick my feet up with the coaches and just kind of see how some drama unfolded across the rest of the country. Arkansas finished the day. They started the day and finished the day. I was surprised by this at number 25 in the nation, according to rivals. Um, you can find more preferable rankings on other sites if you would like they're out there but uh, Arkansas had um, two uh, four stars in this class uh, Keetron Jackson and Raheem Sanders both uh, projected to play wide receiver at Arkansas although Raheem Sanders is very versatile and could also play running back and that room is a little light so I wouldn't be surprised um, to see them do some stuff with him back there as well. Um, they signed two running backs, both from Oklahoma, five from Texas, including um, another wide receiver, um, Jaden Wilson. And then they also got a really speedy kid, Bryce Stevens, from Oklahoma as well. So um, a lot of speed on the offensive side of the ball. You got uh, three Arkansas natives, Terry Wells, Lar Landon Rogers, and um, uh, Aaron Outley and Aaron Outley, who I saw this weekend and is looking um, like he's ready to block some people after his um, injury this year. The dude's been uh, putting on some weight. I'm sure uh, Jameel Walker is going to have a good time with him because actually putting on weight right before you enter the strength program is, is, is probably good. I think that they can tone you up instead of having to force feed you. I'd rather go the other way myself. So um, offensively, I think it was a really good haul. Two quarterbacks, obviously, uh, Lucas Coley and Landon Rogers, both dual threat guys, neither of them super highly ranked. I know that that is something I think Arkansas fans want to see in the 2022 class. Um, there's a lot. I just put out my QB big board for next class, so you can go look at that. There are some good options on there. Um, just not sure quite yet how it's going to shake out. Uh, there, there was a four-star who came off the board today. So guys are starting to move, and we're start, starting to see some activity. But um, I think we need to start uh, spreading around some hype that Kendall Bryles is a QB guru, uh, or I'm not sure Arkansas is ever really going to ascend to the level that they once were at because QB play is just so important. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Arkansas's history, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting. Arkansas has only had four quarterbacks drafted in the last 40 years. I mean, that, that, and that doesn't include Matt Jones, who was a quarterback here and was a wide receiver uh, as you know, when he got drafted, uh, doesn't include Tavares Jackson. You know, he was a quarterback here and transferred out and then got drafted, but you know, quarterbacks that were from uh, that finished their career at Arkansas and got drafted as quarterbacks. There's only been four since the uh, since the, in the last 40 years, and I mean that's it's mind blowing to think about uh, because Arkansas had some decent quarterbacks, but none of them. I mean, you, you, the really really good ones you've gotten, like you know Ryan Mallett. You know, he panned out. He was great at Arkansas. Got drafted. Uh, you had Tyler Wilson. He was great. Got drafted. Uh, then you had Brandon Allen. So I'll, actually, I think there may have only been three in the last 40 years. I think Felipe, Franks, <laughs> Felipe Franks would be the fourth if yeah. he gets drafted. So uh, pretty, pretty wild to think about. But they do, if, if you start bringing in some high-profile quarterbacks, you're bound to hit on 
one or two of them at least. I mean, that's how Alabama has so much success is they bring in just such a high quantity of high quality guys that half of them at least are bound to pay off. So you need to have that happen at Arkansas, bring in some high profile guys uh, every year. One of them's bound to be good and can give you, you know, two, three years as a starter. And, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe KJ Jefferson is that guy. He's a top 250 guy back uh, whenever he signed. That is true. That is true. Rivals will get to pat itself on the back once once he starts contributing majorly. Um, defensively, Arkansas signed three defensive tackles, one from the JUCO ranks. So you automatically assume Jalen Williams, he might have the ability to contribute next year, which would be nice. Um, but Sam Pittman had said they were targeting or we're wanting to find maybe some defensive line uh, transfers to add a little bit more experience to that room. Uh, he actually had an exclusive one-on-one -on -one with rivals yesterday for national signing day. And it didn't sound like he is still pursuing that. Um, they would have had to borrow ahead from their 2022 class and with getting Dorian Gerald back um, and they, there is, becoming a buildup of, of young talent um, at defensive end. And there's some defensive, young defensive tackles that I think could break out this year. Um, I guess it makes sense why you don't want to borrow against your future if you do feel like you have some guys there that can contribute. Um, linebacker, uh, they added Marco Avant from in-state. I missed him earlier. Uh, he's already on campus and uh, Christopher Paul, who's a really big kid. So I feel like he might be able to um, play uh, more readily than uh, Marco Avant. And then uh, defensive backs, you got a, a slew of them. Um, you got uh, Chase Lowry from Texas, um, Jermaine Hamilton Jordan from up in Missouri. Um, I'm blanking on some. Jaden Johnson, who they flipped from South Carolina. Um, and then they added Trent Gordon, the Penn State transfer, uh, who will be playing cornerback, even though Penn State moved him over to safety. So at least we know uh, the coaches thought he was versatile, but he's a former four-star. And then also Tykees Crawford. Uh, everyone should recognize him from uh, his earlier recruiting process uh, with Arkansas. Uh, he played a good amount of snaps for Charlotte this year, so he's got a little uh, live gameplay under his belt, and he might become eligible. We, we will see. Uh, the NCAA uh, is looking at an April decision on that one-time free, uh, no-penalty uh, transfer, so uh, those guys could be immediately eligible this year and would be a nice help, I think. I have already gotten Trent Gordon slotted into my first team. Why not? I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just making things up at this point. Um, everybody, we are running out of time, but go subscribe to Hogbeat. Use the 30 days free code. We'll get you hooked, and then you can, you can pay us from there. Use code HAWGS30 on hogbeat.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Hogbeat Hour.